Alrighty, welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent, dissonant thought meets melodic, euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you as always from Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my procussively proficient co-host, calling in all the way from Charm City, Maryland, my pal Odell, Mr. Norman. What's How's going Charm on, City? bro? Charm City feeling lonely without me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's um, storms, heat wave, all that wonderful global stuff. Yeah, I guess me leaving has just thrown everything into chaos. I was out there for a month, right up the street. Right, from. right. I know. Well, we have, we've f- had sinkholes. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the light rail line dropped below uh, ground there for a bit. <laughs> we were down there, we were down there uh, this past Saturday, and, and it, it was amazing to see because uh, it's all down by Camden Yards where the Orioles play. So right. um, I, I, there's so many streets closed. And this weekend is going to be nuts because the Orioles have, like, a really big series against the Red Sox. And then um, Artscape, which is, like, the uh, the nation's largest free concert, goes on down here as well. Plus, you know, it's going to be, like, 107 degrees, or at least Ooh. the heat index is going to be like that. So it should be real inter- a, a real interesting weekend. Coming up here. By the way, how did your show go um, two Fridays ago? I forgot to ask you, and I had to miss out because of Pete's. Um, well, it wasn't yeah. really the funeral; it was a memorial, I guess. Right, right. No, it went, it went, it went really great. It was for um, a pet. It was for Mutt Mart, which is a pet store up here that uh, sponsors a lot of um, adoption agencies. So it, it was a, it, it was a. It's the first show that I've played where there's, you know, there's. 50, 60 people and 25 to 30 dogs. Uh, were they howling out, out and about? Yeah, they were. They were doing. They were having fun. Um, it's really. It's a. It's a really cool thing that they do. Um, it's like first Friday, so every every first Friday, basically all the businesses open up their stuff and hand out free. So it was like it was like a giant barbecue. Um, a bunch of different pet adoption agencies, people. Um, you know, uh, the two bands we played, we played, we headlined and there was this other artist, uh, Hall Williams, who was really good. He actually had a cello player with him and, and he did a, some stuff on the mandolin, which was pretty impressive. So Sweet. it was overall, it was hot, but it was, it was worth it. It was worth it. It raised a lot of money and, uh, it was a good time. Yeah. I'm sorry. I had to miss that. Um, speaking of missing people, we are missing D. Let us get our producer yeah. in here. It makes our little <laughs> ship of fools here sound halfway yes, tolerable. Does. <laughs> I try. Yep. It's so, D, um, we yes. did a live podcast in April with Cowabunga Pizza Time, and it was fabulous. Yes. Yes, we did. It was so much fun. Um, we actually got to do a nifty show in person, live, and all of us were there, and it was it was amazing. We're going to have to do that, like, all the time. Odell, awesome. when we um, we're moving up to Baltimore because we're going to be helping April with the Charm City Rabbit Hole, and what I ideally want to do is put a little studio in that building so when the bands come through, we could just record a podcast with them. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's a, it's a good location. It's a, it's an awesome space, man. Um, been there a couple times. Uh, you can't ask where. I mean, you have two different breweries right right beside each other. There, Waverly, and um, I believe it's uh, Monument City. Um, and then, uh, it's a really cool location, um, that, you know, this is about to happen. And so, uh, I'm looking forward to it. 
Oh, yeah. And we'll kind of trickle down information as we get closer. We also got another big thing coming up. D, we are getting ready to launch our new exclusive musical osmosis site. Now that we're shutting down Tin Can Media, we're just going to mm-hmm. do music for a while. Kind of full circle. Back to my roots, baby. Yes, we are going to have, uh, or we already have, musicalosmosis.com. However, if you go there right now, I think there's just a page that says that Wix isn't up yet or whatever. Um, and I'm working on that. And then I am also going to be branching out and doing a new YouTube series um, called Questionable Food Choices, um, in which I will be sharing some of the most interesting recipes my video game son and I come up with. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that'll be big. People eat that stuff up. All right. Are we ready to get today's guest in here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All righty. Today's guest has a beautiful soul, powerful voice, and visually stunning aesthetic, formerly from the groovy glam prog band Space Cream, but now out on her own to spread her musical message of love and empowerment, the talented and fierce Savannah Pope. Savannah, how's it going? Hey, what's up? Nothing. Hey. How was Alabama? I saw your picture and it cracked me up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's interesting. I'm, I'm definitely out of my element, but um, I'm down by the coast, so it's quite beautiful. I actually saw dolphins today. Oh, nice, um, nice. Yeah, but, you know, there's definitely, it's a mixture. It, you know, every place is a mixture of things that you like and don't like, you know, based on who you are. I mean, for me... Obviously, I'm I'm dodging and just trying to look away from the Confederate flags because they scare the shit out of me. They're blind but, um, to you. Oh God! But um, <laughs> you know what's interesting to me? I was just thinking while I've been down here, I've been pontificating on how Tom Petty ties all of America together and the most divided country. But every, virtually every person loves Tom Petty. Yeah. yeah. Tom Petty and pizza. Tom Petty and pizza. We need to have a Tom Petty pizza party and invite the whole country. <laughs> Can you put that Get together? Everybody. Can you headline? Yeah. I think that would work yeah, out. I would, well. I would love to do that and just uh, get everybody, you know, a little, just a tiny bit tipsy, not drunk, because then they get crazy, but just a tiny bit tipsy <laughs> and yeah, everybody will just be a little do. bit more. Tiny bit tipsy in Alabama. I don't, I don't know. know if that's, I don't know I if that could happen. I don't. <laughs> I don't <laughs> drink at all, so I, I don't know anything. But um, yeah. I'm pretty the sure they just go up. full throttle down there when they're drinking. I'm sure they don't just like have I, half a beer and put their little pinky up and drink out of it. <laughs> well, the guy who picked us up from the airport, we were very glad wasn't the first guy who, because we ordered a little shuttle. Um, because you gotta come in from Pensacola, and the mm-hmm. first guy was like, "Am I your driver?" And he was slurring and all over the damn place. And I was oh, like, "This gosh. dude is drunk. This dude is drunk as dick. This dude is like <laughs> five. This dude is five fingers deep. Like sharpie lines have been skewed. Nobody cares anymore." Nothing you're saying is surprising me yet about Alabama. <laughs> Just to let you know, I'm not, there's no surprise there. What are you in Alabama for? Are you performing there on vacation, or are you just going down there to do research? Is there a Deliverance uh, Film Festival uh, I don't know about? <laughs> it's an anthropo- uh, anthropological experiment. No, I'm um, I'm down here with my boyfriend, meeting his whole family. 
like Ooh. all nineteen, all nineteen of his immediate family members. Oh, oh boy, there you go. So are they digging you? Or are you getting the feeling they're digging you? I think so. I don't know. We'll see. You want me to get them on the air? I can ask them. You can put them on <laughs> one at a time. Well, actually, we have I'm... them here. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Let's do a Doctor Phil Oprah moment. Um. Yeah. Hey, let me start off with this, because something's been bugging me, and I always like to talk to artists, especially really creative, colorful artists like you, when I've got something stuck in my crawl. Every day I'm going through my Facebook feed, and yeah, yeah, Facebook's a fucking viper's pit. I should just stay off it. But I'll see somebody, you know, blabbermouth, or someone will put up an article, one of the music sites, and somebody will say something about Trump, and then you read the comment threads, and it's like, shut up, just shut up and perform. Nobody cares about musicians' opinions. A musician shouldn't, unless it's Ted Nugent or Gene Simmons, someone who loves Trump. Then if they love the boy king, everybody's okay with it. But if they don't, they flip out. And it really bothers me. This is something that's been bothering me for a long time. When people just expect artists, creative types, to just shut up and play. And I just kind of wanted to see how you feel about that. And also, your music's not really political. So are you? do you purposely try to keep the politics out of it because it's so fucking toxic? Or is it just not something that you're interested in, like, sharing with the world? Um, I mean, I'm fairly political on social media. I'm actually... I'm pretty political on social media. Um, so I, I think anybody who liked my music and then disagreed with my political views on social media would see that pretty quickly. Um, it's not that much of an inspiring subject for me thus far. I mean, more so now. Um, but it's not, I, I'm not, I guess I'm not, a Dylan sort of writer where I write very directly about a subject I, I mostly write through allegory mm -hmm. and right. Um, it, it's just more how my mind works. Honestly, it's not a conscious decision. It's, it's just how I process information. So um, also I think things are for me personally, I, I much, in, I, I enjoy show more than tell. Okay. Um, and I connect with things more sort of, for instance, if you look at something like magical realism, you know, you look at Marquez and, uh, even, you know, sci-fi, certain, certain genres of, of film, even, um, they deal with really massive concepts and very political things and, um, you know, major trauma that's really hard to look at directly. And so that just gives it that small degree of separation necessary to be able to register with the feeling without getting caught up in the semantics, if that makes sense. No, I mean, that's true. I definitely feel like art can go places if it's done right, if it's not done head on, it can go places where just standing on a street corner saying something can't. I mean, something like mm -hmm. South Park or Family Guy, people kind of let the shields down. At least they used to. Now, even Mad Magazine, people are on the comments thread, shut up and screaming like all kinds of horrible shit at them. But Odell, I think Katie Frame from um, Reformed Horrors put it best. She's like, look, I fucking do, I express myself for a living. That's what I do. That's my bread and butter. Yeah, exactly. So why would yeah. you think I wouldn't express myself about something I care passionately about? Like, 
you know, reproductive rights or whatever, abortion or whatever the topic is of that day. And it's just crazy to me. I mean, the guy from um, Rage Against the Machine had said something about Trump and they did an article. And people are like, shut up. Your music shouldn't be political. And I'm like, do these cats know who the fuck Rage Against the Machine is? What are they talking about? (laughs) Exactly. That's their life. That's their livelihood. And I, and I, and, um, just going off of what you said, yeah, I, I just noticed that through your videos and then actually the arrangement of your music, it's it's more it, it's very visual. It, even if you don't, it, even if you're just listening to your music, it, you get visuals just because there's so many different things going on in just one song. So um, mm-hmm. is that is that something you do intentionally or is that just how it goes? Is that just like okay, That's just how I it feel goes. like having to, and okay, yeah, yeah, it's just how it goes. And and honestly, like. I feel like there's a lot of political power in just being whatever you are. Um, exactly. And it, it, it can almost be a stronger statement. Like, it's not like Obama got up on a stage over and over and said, hey, I'm mixed race. Hey, I'm mixed race. Hey, I'm mixed race. Hey, I'm mixed race. He was just a mm-hmm. fucking incredible politician. And well, I mean, you know, I've got some things I just very much disagree with that he did because, you know, I'm, I'm very left. But, um, mm-hmm. But in general, like, he just, he showed rather than told. He stood up there and did a really great job and stood up for the things that he believed in and in doing so really changed the world for African Americans and mixed race people. I mean, they never got to see, you know, one of their own in, in that position before. And, and he did, I mean, I don't, I definitely... It's hard to imagine having, you know, such a great president in my lifetime right now, especially with what we've got. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll get Kamala Harris and it'll be fucking awesome. But um, yeah, my mom met her. So my, uh, she, she met her uh, a couple weeks ago. Sent me a picture of her and Kamala at a uh, at an event in North Carolina. I was like, Mom, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. a great picture. You know what? Yeah. I, watching the debates has been really interesting, and I don't necessarily come out for anybody because I, I think being divisive is just counterproductive. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's really what what fucked us last time. But um, it is really interesting to even the people who probably aren't, who really don't have very much of a chance of winning. It's really interesting to see them on a national stage and like just see the the amount of diversity that's now possible. And I feel yeah. like that's. Obama put his foot in the door and now it's opening up even when they're trying to, you know, slam it back as hard as they, as hard as they can. I mean, you have like Tulsi Gabbard, who's um, a Hindu Polynesian, like, you know, army medicine specialist, anti-war badass, you know what I mean? Like that's so different from anything we've ever seen before. So it, it is really cool to just see all of these different things coming into the spotlight. Um, but I'm, I'm all about people, you know, I think, I think uh, there's a lot of power in, in also, you know, speaking, speaking the truth. So, you know, I'm, I'm here for but it. But also what you're talking about is something that I've, I've been working on for a year. I call it um, weaponized creativity, and I used to give to a lot of different charities, and now I basically just give to support the arts because I feel like art is like the last bastion against fascism. Like um, just being out there and creating art and, and 
just kind of propelling art out there into the ether and perpetuating it, I think is one of the most powerful things you can do, regardless if it's politically focused art or if it's just colorful and fun and something that allows people to escape and to kind of just de-escalate and decompress from all the toxic nonsense that's out there. So I'm very much into weaponized creativity. I'm going to keep saying it until yeah. that phrase catches on. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I still give... Um, I mean, I'm particularly horrified by um, the fucking concentration camps that we're running right now. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm giving what I can. That's to true. We did just sign up and... for the ACLU, right, Dee? When we were down in New Orleans, we signed up for a year we did. Um, and we're given to them every month for like a year. So that's true. There is one yeah. thing I do give to the ACLU. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely people that I give to. Um, I don't, I don't think they're like mutually exclusive. Um, I just, I guess more what I was saying is that I'm not intentionally not being, I'm not intentionally being unpolitical. I just, there's a lot of political power in my being there. Like I'm a weird chubby Jewish girl who gets yelled at by men on the internet and live all the time to just shut the fuck up and I don't. That's true. That is powerful and that is political and that goes back to weaponized creativity. Just keep putting your stuff out there and if there's one thing I've noticed that if you're just like a hateful prick that they hate is seeing the other side just having fun and like they're not invited to the party. So there's so much like we're going to own the libs but then it's like but you're like you say that, but then you love like your iPhone, which probably liberals invented, and you know, and all these movies and TV shows and music. Like this is just part of the culture. I don't know. I'm kind of straying off. <laughs> Who knows guess- where Steve Jobs was on that scale? I mean, he basically imprisoned a bunch of Chinese people. So that's right. well, it's more like Elon Musk and all those cats. But yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, well, Elon, Elon Musk is an interesting guy. I would love to sit down and like just have some cheese and crackers with that dude. He just um, he's developing right now. I just read an article about it, a hookup from your brain into like the Internet or into your device where you'll, you'll be able to eventually surf the Internet just kind of with your brain and just sit there and look at the computer and blink like I fucking dream a genie and go to different websites. So we're definitely going into new territory. Yeah, I don't want Google tracking my brain interests. (laughs) You know, I got an Oculus, a VR, one of those VR Oculus things, and you put it on, and it's nothing like Lawnmower Man, so I was a little disappointed. But I put on the VR, and the first thing that popped up is this board, and you can buy different games and programs and stuff. But the first thing that was on there was Facebook. And I was like, who the fuck would want Facebook and virtual reality? I don't even want two Facebook people screaming at me. Why would I be surrounded by people screaming at me on Facebook? Well, it's actually Google. Like, if you type in anything, you have any question. For instance, the other day, someone told me that that koalas build chlamydia. (laughs) And I was like, there's no way. I was like, there's (laughs) no way that's true. And so I Googled it. I said, do koalas have chlamydia? And apparently 70% of koalas are chlamydia positive. Wow. Really funny to Whoa. Um, I feel a children's book coming out here. Freak. <laughs> okay, but up. after typing that in, after typing that in, every time I went on Facebook 
or like the ads that would pop up when I would open my email or whatever, it would either be animal or STD related for like three days. Oh, yeah. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to venture off of this now. I'm getting a little. <laughs> so every time I have a thought, I wouldn't love ads related to that thought because we can't control what we think. You know, we can control what oh, we do. Oh, God. Can you imagine? Um, I don't want ads mm-hmm. related to that popping up in my in my feed and it just seems a little too thought police provoking for me but you know d um i've got my idea for my next children's book carlos the chlamydia kalwala oh my god oh it's a story Actually, that has no but but chlamydia is with a c koalas with a k so maybe it should be like karen the koala with chlamydia <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, oh my I, I, I always associate chlamydia. Uh, Maybe it's because of like Hitler and stuff with I watch, the guy. I watch We yeah. Bear Bears a lot, and now I have Patton Oswalt's <laughs> character from that in my head. As, yes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right, let me get back to the music here. I want to talk to you about something on, on your presentation, because I come from the vaudeville world. I love vaudeville. Alice Cooper is my all-time favorite performer. I just love like the whole visual... The, the aesthetic of like visually watching a stage show. And I know you're somebody who considers yourself a visual artist. When you're creating, how do you kind of toe that line between, hey, this song in my head, I've already got like a visual aspect in my mind of what it's going to look like, and actually doing the meat and potatoes hard work of writing a song that's going to connect with people who may not be watching your videos or coming to your shows, might just be listening to it on SoundCloud. Um, I mean, the, the visuals for each song come after the song is written. Um, uh, yeah, I don't start from visuals and then work backwards. But do you have any idea so, head as you're writing the music what it's going to look like visually? I guess is what I'm asking. No. No, really? So you write wow. the song yeah, and you um, go back and kind of rethink what you want it to look like. Yeah, I mean... I guess it just forms sort of organically. It's like once I've written, the weird thing about writing songs is that um, things will just pop into my head and I'll write them down. And sometimes it'll be really quiet. Sometimes it'll be really fast and the song will form, you know, over the course of a a couple hours or a day. Um, And sometimes it'll be over the course of a couple months. Like I'll, I'll have a verse and then I'll be walking down the street and I'll just hear this, chorus in my head or what have you you know and, and I keep this really <laughs> really uh intense note system um with everything recorded so that I don't so I don't lose it um because I think earlier in my songwriting career I lost a lot of my ideas and oh really that sucks that, that stinks yeah oh uh, yeah um so so I keep really good track of them now but um yeah, I think it just kind of happens over time. Um, for instance, I'm writing a song right now free, called Freeway. And as I was recording it, um, just this concept for a video kind of popped into my head. Um, and then, like, my song Daddy Issues, I had no visual ideas for that. I just thought it was, it was just a song that I needed to write in the moment. And, um, and then I went to a gay CDC show. They're this all gay ACDC cover band. They're really good. Right um, on. And they were using, they were using a ton of props. 
and uh, I liked the way that they did it. And so I thought, how can I do this in my own way and, and do it in a kind of thick, off-color way that represents what the song is? Because the song's supposed to make you sort of uncomfortable. Right. Um, so I was like, the first thing that popped in my head was pacifier. So now I put pacifiers in all the players' mouths and, you know, I toss stuff out of baby bottles at the audience. <laughs> See, and that's what I enjoy. I enjoy a show. It's called a show for a reason. And, you know, I yeah. know the bands that I dig, but they just kind of stand there in their jeans and T-shirt and play straight at you. And it's like I can listen to them, but when I go to the stage show, I want to be wowed. I want to I want to watch a show as I'm watching the music. At least that's how I'm hardwired. Yeah, I mean, I can appreciate different kinds of performances. The stuff mm-hmm. that I think has influenced me the most has been, I mean, the first, the way that I really fell in love with glam before I even knew it was glam was Rocky Horror. So that's just in there. Ah, uh, you know? yes, yes. And then, and then it's just a ton of things like that, you know, everything from Hairspray and John Waters and, um, to, <laughs> you know, um, like old productions of the little play that they, um, that they do in Romeo and Juliet because uh, I was a big mm-hmm. Shakespeare fan growing up. Just lots of little things. Um, I think what you like just kind of sticks and then you end up drawing from a bunch of things and it shows up. I mean, you know, what's what's that phrase? You, you steal from one person and uh, people will call you a thief and you steal from a hundred people and everyone will call you an original. <laughs> That's it. And you've got to steal from something because it's just impossible, you know. Simpsons did it. Bible. Not that I'm religious, but nothing new under the sun. Like you, you just pull from your environment and it becomes its own thing over time. Right. But it's all about the seasoning, right? You take all these ingredients, throw it in this gumbo and it's not really yours until you're the one that spices it up. And it's like, oh, well, they spice it with XX and X, Old Bay and Tabasco. And that's totally original from how the other person would have spiced it up that had the same ingredients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but I mean, I think it's kind of impossible not to because everyone's you know, it's basically yeah, impossible yeah. to make a perfect copy. <laughs> so and you I think just, like, bleed into it. And I think that just pays, you know, homage to those people that influence you, too. So I, I for most people, if you're not just straight ripping them off, I don't think, I, I haven't met too many artists or, or heard from too many artists that, you know, feel like, you know, there's an issue with that. A lot of people feel really humbled and honored that, you know, wow, this person is actually influenced by my creativity and help spawn their creativity. Yeah, imitation is the yeah. greatest form of flattery, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. I mean, there's there's a difference between um, just ripping something off and being influenced by it. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, if I were to literally just remake Rocky Horror, it would be boring and it wouldn't be as good because it's, it's already been done. So I just take... And it's you not know, your unique voice. Make... Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm, yep. Um, and that's the whole ball I'm actually game. working on a, on a rock opera right now. I don't know how long it'll take, but it's something I've really wanted to do for a while. Well, let me kind of shift gears here. I don't want to ask you kind of a philosophical question. I was just talking Odell with William about this. William mm-hmm. Sanderson, I worked for him doing his social media and some PR stuff. 
and he's got a book out and we go over his book every episode and there's a chapter where he just you know he's young he's 11 12 years old in the 50s and he just like jumps on stage and goes backstage and sneaks backstage to meet Elvis or he goes and shows up at like their tag football like games at the high school when Elvis like rents the whole field out or whatever and it seems to me like creative people are always propelled into these situations and I read a little bit about your history and how the first time you played, you were at an open mic and you just felt compelled to go up on stage and play. Like something was calling you to do that. And I just wonder if people, especially creative types, is this cosmic? Is there some kind of cosmic calling that makes us do what we do? Or is it just random life where you're like, oh, well, I just want to go up there and do this? Or do you think there's like this higher cosmic thing that made you jump up on stage with that guitar that night to put you on this path? Um, that's a lot. That's, that's like <laughs> drinking from a fire hose, that question. Um, so let me just digest a little bit. Um, hmm. I mean, I don't... I don't know if there's any kind of higher power, so I, I, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I don't have the audacity to <laughs> to say I know what makes things happen. Um, I think for me, it did feel it did feel sort of cosmic because I, I didn't even go there to perform. I right. was there. It was it was a friend's open mic, and I had been writing these little songs for myself for years. Um, and I guess it was akin to like skydiving, you know, I was like, I need to do something extreme because I was having a really shitty time in life. Um, oh, wow. and it just kind of pulled at me to, to do this thing, um, because it was a big adrenaline rush. And then I went up there and the reaction was so incredible and it just, I felt really connected to people for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, in a long while and yeah so it did feel somewhat cosmic because I wasn't looking for it and it was just so right when I found it um, right you said you had a feeling and the only way you knew to make it go away was to go up there on stage and play and to me that feels cosmic to me the way you described it yeah yeah I think so and I mean there's a bunch of stuff I don't remember from when I was a little kid but th- that my parents have told me that you know, when I think about it now, I'm like, oh, I, I kind of was always propelled towards the stage. Like when I was very little, my parents, I guess they couldn't find a babysitter and they dragged me along with them to Cirque du Soleil. Oh, wow. And um, I went missing towards the end and they were freaking out. And then they saw me and these, these uh, security guys were catching me. And I was almost at the stage and just running towards it and trying to get up on there and just going, I live there. I live there. <laughs> and that's exactly what I'm talking about. What it seems like cosmically, I've had a lot. I mean, Odell, you know, I've had a lot of strange things happen to me in my life. And they've right. been things I've, I feel like, I mean, I'm the guy who was like walking down the highway to work in the Washington Post like interviewed me and like a couple days later there was like photographers laying on the ground taking pictures of my feet as I walked by like it was just this bizarre incident that happened to me and I didn't even it wasn't even anything I was searching for and after reading those chapter in William's book and reading your history I started piecing it together and I was like wow it just feels like if you're a creative entity 
then there are going to be like little bumpers on a pinball machine that just kind of bang you into this path and that everybody's just kind of cosmically propelled onto the path that they're on. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people work very hard and get shut down all the time. That's also a big part of it. But there are these signs that show you that you should stick around um, or that that it's something that you love. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I I have a teacher and I did. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to interject, you know, because once it's one of those things, like once you see that sign or you feel that 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 something pushing you to do that and you don't. That's something that you're going to regret. Like you're, you, you, you get that regret for pretty much the rest of your life. Like, man, I wish I had done that. Man, I wish I had really done that. Because those opportunities don't come around too often. Yeah, it's always the shit you didn't do, right? Nobody's on their deathbed going, I wish I had a bigger TV set or a nicer car. No, they're like, dude, I wish I took that trip to Paris or wrote that fucking great American novel. It's always yeah. the shit mm-hmm. you didn't do you regret on your deathbed. Yeah. So that's the way I look yeah. at it. All right, let's go ahead and talk some Space Cream because I was checking that band out. I thoroughly love it. I thoroughly thought it had a unique style and a unique voice to it. I guess what I'm going to ask is what what happened? Why did you guys kind of separate? Because I thought you had a good thing going. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, uh, I mean, I did too. I, it, to be honest, it was largely my baby. I think in a way I ran it as a solo project because aesthetically and thematically it was what I wanted. And I, I went into it with a very clear vision. Um, and luckily, you know, I went into it with this guitarist who's this, he's really great at writing for other people and like writing, listening to them and creating something that, that represents them. Right. So I think it was a fun project for him and he really got to, um, I mean, he just became this incredible guitar player just from being in a band like that. And his writing improved and my writing improved. And But everybody else in it just kind of came and went um, because okay. it wasn't really their baby. And, mm-hmm. and, then when, and then when he and I parted ways amicably, he just, you know, shit happened and we needed some time. Um, I restarted with uh, these three young guys and it was great. It was a really, really great band, but again, it wasn't really their baby. It was always sort of my thing. And in a way, I think I was kind of hiding behind it. Like I, it was mine, but I didn't have the, I don't know. I didn't have the wherewithal to to do it completely under my name or to take full responsibility. it's kind of like the difference between improv and stand-up. Like some people like stand-up, they're totally responsible. They're a hundred percent like the autonomy. It's all them. And there's people who feel more comfortable in the improv world where if they have a misstep, they've got three or four other people to kind of have their back. Yeah. And I think I, so I started out in the, you know, improv world and then it just became clear that I was trying, you know, I was running a, (laughs) an improv troupe but I really was meant to be doing stand-up so um yeah I think it was just one of those things that it was really hard to accept and let go of but um I'm kind of glad 
the last time when the last iteration of space cream which was uh, me danny hector zach ryan and saul slotnick and i still love those guys like i'm i'm pretty close with them and um and we're all on good terms but you know saul like became a baker <laughs> and danny started going on <laughs> tour with a bunch of other people and zach started working for like disney and shit so it just kind of oh, wow. it just kind of you know life is weird apart. and yeah life is weird and and i was like okay all right i hear you you know it felt it felt like the world was trying to tell me something you know when you when you try to force something to happen over and over and it really doesn't work it's like maybe you gotta adjust it's that cosmic path right i think i think we've yeah. like concluded this evening we're all on a cosmic path that could be creatively so when you're doing this solo what's one of the biggest challenges i mean is it a lot more freeing because you do have the autonomy of being completely in control of your own voice and product or do you is it kind of yes. stressful because you don't have that backup of this cohesive unit that you're comfortable with both okay yes. so what would you say <laughs> is the yes. biggest challenge <laughs> To do it solo compared to being in a group. What would be the biggest challenge between those two? Well, the biggest challenge is that you don't necessarily have uh, always, you're not always working with the same people. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it's Boone and Bane. It's, it's both things. I really like it. I've, I've found it incredibly freeing and it was one of those things that I was scared to do. And then when I did it, the return was so much bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, nice. you know, like within, within two months of announcing my solo career and putting out, um, my first single, I got, you know, named as one of the top 20 videos on Yahoo. And I was the only, you know, everyone else was pretty much Beyonce. Um, and I was like, what the fuck, you know, like, how does that happen yeah. for, you know, essentially a new artist and I'm not signed and all. So it was talk about signs you know i was like oh shit okay this this was what i needed to be doing and, and was that for creature of, that was for creature and then you know and then a couple of months later i started getting all this love from la weekly which you know i'd written them a lot with face cream and i right. felt like you know like i was soliciting a lot and this thing more or less came to me and they were like we're going to write about you. And, and I find that happening a lot more with venues and, and things like that, where it's, I'm not really forcing, I mean, obviously you still have to work really hard as an artist, but um, certain aspects just came together a lot more effortlessly. Um, well, you're a great focal point because you're just so visually, like I said in the um, intro, stunning to look at your style mm -hmm. and the way you carry yourself as a better focal point than trying to focus on a whole band. So I think that's another advantage for someone like you being solo. I, I think so. And I also think the music is, I, I think the music is much, it's evolved a lot and very quickly because it's been allowed to go in any direction. Like when you have a name like Space Cream, you're essentially tethered <laughs> to the to the Ziggy Stardust esque material, right? Um, yeah, yeah. But when it was under my own name, I could do whatever the fuck I wanted. So you know, with my debut album, I had 
um, Miss Moreau, which I don't even know what genre that is. Like, it's just <laughs> me in a bass, and it's kind of rock, and it's kind of folk, and it's kind of like a fucked up video game opera song. I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> and I was like, okay. It doesn't, it doesn't belong to anything, and I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? It's just mine. And that's what I was saying earlier is that your music, it goes like one song can go all over the place. And I think that's the beauty of you being your own entity, if you will. It's, it's your mind. It's what you're creating. And if I feel comfortable enough to put it, that out, I'm going to put it out. Why not? It's my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been very freeing. And I think, I think, I don't know. I think it just shows and, and the performances are really fun. And, um, and let's not, not discount like, your name. Savannah Pope is a great name. It's just a name you would say. Name. Savannah yeah. Pope. <laughs> I mean, you just want to say, it's like Jerry yeah. Seinfeld said, if you were born and they named you Jeeves, you're going to be a fucking butler. <laughs> and I think your name has a lot to do with your personality. I mean, every Tony I've ever known has been like a tough guy. Every Nick, including myself, that I've ever known growing up was a stoner. I mean, I think your name actually has a lot to do with your personality. Every Tony I know has known has been a very tough guy or a very, um, very self-assured lesbian. Right, right. So there you go. I mean, I think your name has a lot in your name. It's just the cadence of it. Savannah Pope. I mean, my daughter's name is Vivian Adele Katsouris. But if she was a boy, wow. because we're Greek, her name was going to be Maximus Pericles Katsouris. And I was like, there's a name. There's someone who's going somewhere. Who doesn't want to hang out with fucking Maximus Pericles? I'm a big believer in names and things like that. Well, maybe maybe his slave sounds like he would own Spartacus. Right, right. Yeah. And that's what I was shooting for. Thank you for recognizing that. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Creature, because this is another amazing little factoid about you, that because of the stop animation and because of just the arduous process of putting this together, it took you a year to get this video done. And I'm like, man, sometimes I make things and I put them out because I'm so excited when they're like half done. And I'm just like, fuck it, I'm just going to put it out there. How do you get the patience and discipline to be so excited about something and actually spend a year before you reveal it to the world? Huh. Um, Creature was, I don't know, man. I mean, it didn't have to take a year to do, but I, I, I did it all on, on a indie artist budget. Um, and it was very lofty. You know, if you'd done something like that with a studio, it would have been a hundred thousand dollars or something um and so I, I i was just fucking up and and making it work as i went along um and so it was basically learning on the job so it just took a while um now when i do it's actually not stop animation it's motion graphics but it was done on green screen and gotcha. there was a lot we didn't know about there was a lot we didn't know about the shooting on green screen there was a lot we didn't know about um just certain certain rules and and i don't have you know i don't have access to like studio tech i have access to you know like adobe which is really good it's just um i i had to ended up having to key a lot of stuff frame by frame so essentially like draw myself out of the frame these really intricate costumes and pieces and everything you know one fucking millisecond at a time 
so I would get into like spurts of just doing doing it really really dedicatedly and then sometimes I would have a month where I was like I can't look at this I hate it Um, (laughs) I knew that feeling yeah um but I I mean for better for worse I'm something of a perfectionist so I don't really put things out until I at least feel I've done everything that I can um because it's never going to be perfect but you can at least say okay I did I did all that I could, you know? Um, and yeah. And luckily I, at the time I was working, um, for this film assets company, um, this, this production agency, and they had a motion graphics department that a lot of my friends were in. So I just, I went to my work and I was like, Hey, could I get some help on this project that I'm having a really hard time finishing on my own? And they kind of just helped me finish it and, you know, wow, to make sure everything done was, was polished and um, actually looked professional because I was just terrified that all this work that I'd done wouldn't actually be, you know, <laughs> up to grade. So I, I had actual pros check it out and help me out with it, um, which was really amazing that, you know, my that that company really, really helped me out. Um, so, yeah, and that basically put enough also I was just you know my band had broken up and I'd been spending a year just like writing whatever and I was just getting so tired of not putting things out and not sharing things with people it just felt so fucking mm-hmm. masturbatory and um it so just kind of put a fire under my ass in the end so with that time in between you know like you were saying with the one with your band breaking up and this is that was that part of the the meaning behind the song, just going back and reflecting on a lot of different things that was going on or, or had gone on in your life earlier? Yeah, I well, initially, I initially wrote the song with the last iteration of Space Cream, and I think the the words, yeah, I think the words ended up applying quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I I think maybe they evolved a, a little bit over the course of that time. I believe so. I mean, either way, the, the, it actually ended up applying perfectly regardless because the whole right. song is yeah. about, the whole song is really just about, you know, being in, in a situation um, where you feel really victimized. Wow. And then also, and then realizing that you are constantly putting yourself in this position. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you're, you're the fucking monster too. And, um, you know, am I the real creature or are you? I don't, I don't know, you know, and, and at the time I was writing about, um, uh, you know, sort of a pattern that I had in relationships and, and trying okay. to come to terms with the fact that I was yeah. like putting myself in situations where I allowed people to treat me badly and that that was on me. Um, and, and then it ended up applying to a lot of things in my life in particular, I think the band situation, cause I was like, why is this happening to me? Why is my band breaking up? And I was like, because I'm not fucking listening. You know, I'm I'm doing mm-hmm. this thing over and over and not paying attention when it doesn't work. So, yeah, I think it applied pretty well. Well, I got to tell you, my hat's off to you because yeah. as soon as I had yeah. one segment done, I'd be like, look, look, it's me on a rowboat. Uh, like, I'd be, I'd be releasing that video in like 200 segments as I got everything done because I'd be so excited. I wouldn't have the <laughs> discipline... To just sit on it for a year and put it together and go, now it's done. I'm not very good at that. I just, I mean, you remember Odell, the first time even Steven played, we played at Heisman 
and we played like a seven minute set. Like that guy Skank went yeah. to the bathroom and came out and he missed us. He's like, "When are you guys yeah. going on?" And I was like, "Dude, we yeah. just played." But we only had like four 30 second <laughs> songs or something. And I was like, I just want to play. I don't care if we're ready. I just want to play. So, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have that discipline factor that you showed on that video. I think there's something to be said for both approaches. I think I've become a little bit less obsessive or obsessive about the right things and a little bit more open about other things, you know. You're growing. Music is, know, always, music is, ther- always, music yeah. is therapy, man. It's so therapeutic. That's why, I, you know, it's funny. Like Nick and I, we're in our we're in our mid forties, and you know this this doing this and and still playing is therapy. Like my wife will tell you, like she she would be the first one to tell you that you need to go practice with your friends. Like you need to go and have some band time because you are a mess. <laughs> or, or whatever yeah i don't want i don't want to deal with you anymore right right and it's just like it, it's so therapeutic and to be able to to take you know like like nick said earlier hats off to you because to be able to express those things and get it out because you're not the only one that's gone has 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 been there or is going through that so if somebody can get yeah. a hold of that and realize that wow you know this is something that i i might need to take a look at as the mirror myself Oh, that's 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 darn impressive. I agree. Yeah. I, all right, we got to start wrapping this up, but we're gonna play some rock and roll no more. Before we play this, is there anything you want the listeners to know about this song? Uh oh, God, this song. This one has had talk about great return. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wrote this song when I was really fucking sad, um, and obviously, it's written with a a fair amount of humor um, right. because that's, that's just kind of how I, how I do things. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was after a, a really major mentor of mine told me that I had to be a pop artist or I should just quit. Wow. That's and shitty. Oh, it was, it felt really horrible. And I felt, yeah. um, I felt very, I don't know, kind of despondent and, um, and I was crying and I, uh, I, I actually was on this little, this little trip. Um, and I thankfully brought my guitar with me and, and this sort of, this of the song just sort of fell out. Um, so it came out of a lot of personal anguish and, um, I'd say of all the songs on the album, I've gotten the most personal messages about this one of all the songs of Atla- uh, from Atlantis. I've gotten the most like one-on-one people writing me on social media or via email just saying like, Hey, I listened to this and I really felt like something understood what I was going through. Um, or, you know, I had one girl say she, she listened to it uh, while she was driving home. This girl from Canada, total strangers, like, Hey, this, this came up. I, I checked it out and I just started, fucking bawling like I had to pull over my car because it made me oh, so wow. emotional and and wow. I just it completely captured exactly what I've been feeling and so and you know made me feel seen um and uh and I was just so excited about that it's it's just so cool when something really terrible can be turned into something really great for somebody else that's 
that made me really happy. But that's art, right? That's connecting with people. That's what art's meant to do. I mean, it's meant to escapism and to take you out of the moment and to kind of wow you, but it's also meant to make these real world connections, I think. Yeah, well, I think a song's really doing its job when it sounds the way that somebody feels. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. apt. Oh, yeah. oh, Dee's chiming in. Dee, did you... Uh-huh. I, I know. I think that's exactly a good song speaks to someone's heart. And I mean, that's, you know, that's why I sing because I always say, you know, I, I don't want to sing something if I don't feel it. And I, I think that's really yeah. important. That's really awesome that you were able to touch people like that. That's cool. Well, let's see what the fans think. Let's play some rock and roll no more, D, and then we'll be right back. Get a job at the studio and wallow in the bar. Ain't no fucking freeload freak like you gonna be a star. Entrance exams and jam your head with rules. You could be on NPR if you had finished school.
All righty, we're back. We're going to get ready to wrap this up. But before we go, um, I know you're currently in the studio. Are you working on a new album? Are you working on just some singles? What can you tell us about what you're working on, if anything? <laughs> I'm not sure how secret uh, everything is. <laughs> I'm working on at least four new songs that may turn into more. Um, and uh, I'm probably going to release them as singles. Um, and then all together as an EP, um, or at least release the first several as singles and then release, um, a full EP. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I'm really excited. Again, it goes in a lot of different directions. It's, um, I mean, it's my voice, both literally and figuratively. So there's definitely some cohesion with, um, with everything that I've been doing, but, um, yeah, I, I got to play with a lot of new concepts and um, some new genres, and um, yeah, it it feels it feels really good to do. And uh, I don't know, I'd be interested. I think in a way it does get somewhat political, actually, but not. I'm not saying like you know stab Trump or anything. <laughs> but again, I do think it deals. I think it deals with a lot. That of, would sell a million uh, albums right there. If you just had a song <laughs> called Stab Trump, you could just retire. You'd be uh, set. It's not the way that I write, but, you know, maybe maybe I should play with it. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I think I think it will come across in, uh, you know, a lot of social and political issues. Um, well, good. And, yeah, it gets pretty it gets pretty sexy, too. Like nice. I like sexy. Oh, there you go. Nick likes sexy. Yeah. <laughs> One of the... The makeup artist on the video that I'm about to do, which is which is for the first of the songs I'm gonna re- gonna release, um, you know, she put the song on and she just turned to me and she goes, "Oh, this made, made me so fucking horny." <laughs> and I was like, "Good, because <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to do." But that's part of your glam roots, right? I mean, glam is very hypersexual. Glam is very hypersexual, but I feel like glam can also be more misogynistic and stuff too. <laughs> right, right. Well, also mm-hmm. more, more. It can be more tell than show with sex. You know what I mean? More about yeah. saying it, yep. and stating it, and and throwing it in your face than making you feel it. And some of the stuff on this album, I think, just it immediately just gets under your skin and gets your blood pumping in its own way. Let me ask it you something think. as an artist and somebody who creates a lot from the soul as far as just kind of sitting down and like formulating something. You're just kind of expressing yourself. It's really empathetic type music. If you put a single out and it has a bad response, let's just say people aren't digging it. They aren't grooving on it. Will you purposely scrap that, leave it off the next EP or album that's coming out? Don't put it in your stage show. Or are you like, hey, this is a part of me. And even if people don't like it, I still want it to be representative of me. Hmm. I've never had like a a completely negative. I mean, there's always trolls on the internet. Like, it's yeah, don't say happens. right. Um, but I've never had like an overall negative response to a song that I've put out, at least in my estimation. <laughs> um, so, do you I, feel I like know. you would I've scrap never... it if you did, and you'd be like, "Well, this isn't what the fans are digging on," or are you like, "Hey, man, this is me, so I'm still putting it on the album." If I really loved it, then I would keep it. If I felt that somehow I had been compromising myself um, just to please people, which, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It, it, 
you're always balancing that. You're always like, okay, is this going to speak to people while still being me? Right. Um, not that I'm, uh, you know, so sometimes you can overdo that. I don't, I think I genuinely, I think I generally err on the side of, of pleasing myself over pleasing other people, but uh, in, in terms of my art, but um you know, it is always something that you're balancing. So if I felt like I'd gone too far the other way, I could see myself scrapping something, but I'm not going to like hide it from the world. Like it never existed because I mean, it's been on the internet, you know, good. It's happened. Yep. I agree. All right, let's get out of here before we go. I want to thank you so much for calling in. I know we wanted to have you on a women who rock episode, a couple months ago, and you were like, hey, let's just do a full episode together. So I'm glad that you suggested that because yeah, yeah. I yeah, would I have ran way over trying to talk to you for only 20 minutes. Yeah, see, it's not good for me to share attention. It doesn't work. Well, I, I guess we've learned an important lesson tonight, kids. Um, tell everybody what you got coming up and where we can find you on the magical interwebs. Okay, cool. Um, I, again, I'm working on some new material. I just put out an album called Atlantis that you can find, you know, on any streaming or download service. Um, you can find me, you know, all over social media. My handle is I am Savannah Pope. Savannah spelled like the city in Georgia and Pope like the crazy The guy dude, with the point crazy hat. hat. Crazy hat. <laughs> yep. Um, Vatican man, I love it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've got some music coming up. Um, I've got shows coming up, so just check out my website and uh, and they're always updated on there. Right on. Well, thank awesome. you so much for calling in tonight. And you stay groovy in Alabama. Yeah. Try not to get <laughs> crazy your, out there. Enjoy don't, yourself. Yeah, don't be picking the flowers <laughs> off the wallpaper going out there. <laughs> Tell the family we send hello. All night people. Tell them you've been endorsed by Musical Osmosis, so they must love you. They must love you. Well, I just found out that a lot of them are are pretty Catholic after I made a rock demon for them out of Play-Doh, so that was pretty fun. (laughs) You're still endorsed by us. I think that carries a lot of weight. Yeah. Musical Osmosis equals cool. All right, thank you. Thank you, Savannah. I'll feel to be back. Um, and now we're going away again. I know I'm going to be, I have to re record a show um, because we were having technical issues the other night. But besides that, I think we're going to be out of here again for another month while we get the new site up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, uh, I got vacation coming up, doing a little traveling. So, uh, yeah. Once we get back, then we'll be full tilt. We will be full throttle. Do you get itchy when you're off the air um, for a while? I know, like, I start kind of pacing around, and I don't like not being on air. Yeah, yeah, I get I get a little itchy, and, I, you know, it's kind of hard. It keeps the juices flowing as far as just, like, doing research and, 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 and looking for things. And so, you know, being on the air sort of gets you back into that, into that mold of, okay, we're back in here. We're doing what we have to do, and... And it's just fun. It's fun talking to people. Well, I would so, say what we love to do. I don't feel like I have it. to do anything. All righty. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you want to take us out of here, and we will be back in a month? Yep, yep. We'll see you soon. Stay cool, my friends. Bye, guys. Bye. I still haven't come up with a good closing tagline. I was saying something before, like, if your grandma loves it, jam it or something. I was like, oh, I suck. Yeah. yeah don't a- do that. Don't say that. <laughs> yeah, all right. Stay thirsty, my friends. Yeah, we'll just use that one. Bye, guys. <laughs>